Hey there, ghosties. Thank you for joining us today for episode 71 of the Ghost Lights podcast. Today's guest is Leslie O'Carroll. We talked about brick bread and the tradition that it is. We talked about the National Theater Conservatory and how it takes just one person to believe in you and give you that help that you need when it feels like no one else can. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy. Subscribe today. Dan, give us some more by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. back it's episode 71 of the ghost lights podcast i am your host sam gilstrom that name's got a ring to it like a wedding vow and i know i've said it a million times before but it keeps getting truer i'm always here for you baby i'm never turning my back on you and this week i've brought you something special a queen of the stage i have been a long time paying patron of her skill set leslie o'carroll's in the house everybody hello leslie Hello, hello. How the heck are you? I'm very good. This is a little, I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I'm just going to put that out there right from the beginning. Uh, but uh, I'm very excited. This is so uh, new. I mean, podcasts are great. Yeah. Well, don't be nervous. I'm, I, am, I am just as nervous as you are. We're going to oh. feel this out. The, the best thing about the Ghost Lights podcast for me is, is especially since the pandemic has started, it has given me a great opportunity to really kind of, I don't know, get to get to make new friends. If there's any intimidation I have, like when I'm in a callback room with somebody and I see them and I have them on the podcast, that intimidation goes away and they're just people. So that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to get to the essence of each other. Oh, that's great. What a great idea. That's, yeah. that's a great way of putting it because then you have an instant friend in the room. What a great idea. Yeah. So that's all we're trying to do. Cool. And I have to tell you, I'm a fan. I love you in uh, the Taj. Oh, yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. That was so good. I, I mean, that I just really loved the way you guys did that. And I love I love me some Stephen White's. Oh, and yeah. um, I also remember you that I really liked you in Jeff Kent's production of Waiting for Godot. <laughs> well, thank you. We're like on a, like a, I think it's a four fifth year anniversary. The last weekend, I think we opened. Oh, has so it been I, that long? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, I know. I know. I, uh, I have gotten better with age though. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I just loved it. That's a hard play. And I, oh, I thought you guys handled it really well. I, I'll tell you, uh, one of the best things about that entire experience for me, and I've mentioned on the podcast a couple of times is just like, Jeff Kent was super smart and excited every day in the rehearsal space to tackle the material. And Sam Gregory and Timothy McCracken were just as excited to hammer out their relationship. And I was just surrounded by people who were really smart, who wanted to do the work. And when that, that really relaxed me. And at that point, then it's just a matter of keeping up. So thank you. That's, that's high praise coming for you. I appreciate oh. it. Sweet. But yeah. yeah, I just loved it. And I, I just thought, oh, Jeff, I think he's a fantastic director. I'm a big mm -hmm. fan. Absolutely. And of course, Sam and Tim, you can't get any better than them. 
you are absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. I'm like, I've had them both on the pod since. And Oh, I, really? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 you're going to have to tell me what episode so I can go back and listen. Definitely. We'll do, we'll do, we'll, we'll look that up for you at the end. They're, they're great time conversations. They all, it, it's so funny. Like I did the one with Timothy, like really early on in the podcast, like in the birth of the inception and we were at the Denver center and then I got Sam on because of the pandemic. So we oh. were both at home and uh, it, was, it was just great, smart conversations. And they're both such sweet guys. I know. I love them both. I love working yeah. with both of them. I've had great experiences with both of them. Tim is particularly, he, he's just so sweet yeah. and he's just such a team player. Mm -hmm. And Sam ha has the best comic ear I have. I, he just, he has the best comic ear. Yeah. If something's not working, you can ask him and he can hear it and he can tell you what's, what, what the problem is. Now, he's also great at asking questions in the room which was something that I felt like when you got to a certain level in your career, you didn't necessarily have to do that anymore. And I, I greenly thought that that was like Sam Gregory was at that point and to watch him in a rehearsal space, ask question after question after question to sort out his choices and all of the world that he was in living in. It was just really, it was really humbling and rewarding. He's great. Leslie. I have, a, I have an icebreaker question for you. Okay. All right, then. When you were a child, what was a family meal that sticks out to you? Like a favorite meal? Like just got, you know, we just uh, had a great day at school. Got a great report card. Mom's making what? Or I hope mom makes what? Oh, well, um, my mother, I hope she's not listening. My mother's a terrible cook. Just terrible. <laughs> And I want you to know, I haven't inherited those skills from her. I, I too, am a terrible cook, as I am told by my daughter daily. Oh. Uh, and of course, during the pandemic, I've never cooked this much in my entire life. Because with Steve and I, we always, when, when Olivia was growing up, we always, you know, switched off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I would work, then he would work, then I would work, then he would work. So, but this having us all together at once, it's the most meals I've ever cooked. And I... <laughs> did not enjoy it but i will tell you a meal that something that is kind of famous in our house uh -huh. my mother was a little bit of a hippie uh Ooh. when she was i i'm not even sure my mother was a hippie but i think she had hippie friends wow. who would be like hey let's make our own yogurt you know stuff like that when i was okay. a kid growing up now and 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 my mother shopped at the at the i mean today it's whole foods but yeah. you know Back then when I was a child, you know, it was the country store. No, it was, um, you know, it wasn't cool to have, you know, soy stuff or kefir, which is yogurt drink today, or gorp, which is like trail mix today. You know, it wasn't cool to have those things in your lunch. When mm. your friends are having peanut butter and jelly on matzah, and you're having a whole wheat, you know, a turkey dog on a whole wheat bun or an avocado sandwich on whole wheat bread. It's just not, there's no trading going on. No. <laughs> uh, so, so that's just a little background on my mother. She would try new things and uh, she decided that she wanted to learn how to make bread. Uh -huh. So bread was a big deal. I mean, now we're all making bread in the pandemic, but yeah, we are. back then they didn't really know. I mean, my mother had a wheat grinder, grind her own wheat. But we didn't really know back then, again, this is a long time ago, that you should mix wheats 
So you, if you take a, a whole wheat, you mix it with a red wheat or a white wheat or something to make it a little lighter. Oh. No, my mom was 100% whole grain wheat that she ground herself. And uh, she, uh, we used to call it brick bread because it was so dense. And I remember one time sitting in the kitchen and uh, my, with my, uh, my brothers and uh, my mom had just baked this bread and she kind of put it in the middle of the counter and my dad was standing there and my dad goes, hold on. And he goes out into the garage, which was just right out the kitchen door, right into the garage. Mm. And he comes back in and he has a hacksaw. And he's like, okay. And he's, and he gets ready to do some hacksawing on that bread. And my mom goes, Roger, that's not funny. And he's like, I'm just trying to get a piece of bread, you know, and then we laughed so hard. Brick bread. So that's something I definitely remember. I I'll, I'll tell you one other story that I remember of, awesome. well, I have so many, listen, I have so many food stories, but oh. I remember one time my mom was making dinner and for some reason I was the only one at the table and I don't know why like if people were coming or if I was or, or if they were just coming in or if I had gotten to the table early I don't exactly remember but I had my plate and my mom said do you want some peas and I was like yes and I'm staring at my plate and she's got the pan and she's kind of scooping the peas onto my plate and they're going black, green, black, green, black, green, black, green, black, green onto my plate. And I remember thinking, are those black eyed peas? But no, they were just burnt on one side. Oh. So <laughs> that's fantastic. She gave me one time, my mom gave me a, a comic that I kept in my wallet for a thousand years. Mm. And it was about a teacher had asked some kids to um, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, draw and color in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and one boy had a, a brown piece of bread that he had colored in brown for the peanut butter and then on the other side he had colored it black and the teacher was like what is that is that black jam or blackberry jam and he's like no no it's burnt I toasted mine <laughs> and I kept that in my wallet for years because that is also a memory yeah. from my childhood <laughs> This was this was a sound we heard every morning. Oh, it's just my mother scraping the burnt off the toast. <laughs> Seriously, I was home for Christmas, like when I was in college, and we were sitting at the counter, and that same sound. I'm like, what? what that sound? I know that sound. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh man, that, that's that's a that's how all the my toast was always presented to me. It was after mom mom vigorously tried to scrape it off. And then offer it to me. I was oh. a very picky child. It's like this oh, is we ate black. It. No, yeah. we ate it. We oh, ate yeah. it. I thank goodness Steve Wilson likes burnt toast because I believe <laughs> I have I have maybe served him some burnt things in our marriage for sure. Hey, I mean it's it's a delicacy. <laughs> it's a damn delicacy. <laughs> that is, those those are amazing stories. So Leslie, the podcast, getting to the roots of it. Yes. Theater. How did it happen to you? Oh, how does theater happen to anyone? Mm. Theater. You know, I thought I've, I've been thinking, I was trying to think back in my life. Um, if there was like a pivotal moment mm -hmm. where, you know, you hear those like movie stars who say, and then when I was six years old, I saw so-and-so and I knew I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to think back, did, was there a show or 
did I see something or what was it that kind of propelled me on this path? And I think, I think it might be a, a desperate need to be loved, mm-hmm. probably. Okay. Um, but I think it's for me, it's been chasing the laugh. You know, the first time, like you're in, it might've been junior high maybe. And I, I, I remember this one event that happened. I was in a drama class. I just took a drama class. My mom said, you should take drama because you're a ham bone. You know, I was a ham bone my whole life. And uh, there was this drama class and we were doing an exercise where it was had to be a sad moment, you know, something sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, this is relaxing in junior high. And I was like, I think it was a summer class too, like summer school. And um, I remember I'm like, okay, I'm going to do when my dog died when he got hit by a car. That's sad. I could do that. I I could be sad. And um, so I remember being up on the little tiny stage and uh, I remember the teacher, you know, saying, okay, you Mm -hmm. know, whenever you're ready and you know, you do your all, no, come back scruffy. Don't go out into the street. No. And then um, I went, "Ah!" (laughs) oh no, scruffy. And the entire class burst into laughter because I was doing my own sound effects. And uh, the teacher was trying so hard not to laugh, but everybody was just howling. And I was like, uh-oh, uh, I, I thought that was supposed to be sad. Mm-hmm. And the teacher said to me, you know, maybe next time don't do your own sound effects. <laughs> and uh, also maybe you should uh, try comedy. <laughs> and, uh, and I think I I think I've been chasing that laugh ever since. So I think that's kind of how I started in theater. And then, you know, I went to college and I was in theater and I uh, went to grad school, um, National Theater Conservatory, but mostly just because my friends were there. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was like, I have to be on the stage. I think it was just, I really like the people in theater. Mm. You know, pe- the pe- theater people are great. And I think that that and then people just started giving me jobs. So I was like, okay, well, I could do that. Sure. <laughs> and then, I, so I think that's kind of how, Yeah. I think that's how my career went. <laughs> it was just kind of like, well, yes, I'll come do that. Yes, that sounds great. But mostly I think I followed the people. Mm. What is it about theater people that, that makes them great in your eyes? I think it's, they're creative, um, they're fun, they're interesting, they're, uh, they're all accepting. Mm. I grew up in a very kind of um, conservative household. And, uh, you know, it's where there's a particular type of person you should try to be, mm. uh, which I would never, ever fit into that mold. And I think um, uh, theater people, they don't care who you are or mm. where you've been or where you've come from. They only care if you're good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so I, I think that that's what I love about theater people. Yeah. They have a, a great ability it's to just, as you said, welcome people in. They're just open. Like you bring open. something new to the table that they can learn from and, and maybe utilize, or at the very least, you won't bring the show down. <laughs> yeah. You won't bring the show down, so everything's okay. And when there's that collaborative energy with theater mm-hmm. people, I mean... Yeah, I just, I think it's the people. When you talk about chasing the laugh, can you describe that feeling of 
when you make an entire house burst into hysterics? Like, what does that feel like for you? Oh, well, there's nothing like that. That's, mm. I mean, you know, just, uh, well, the math of it, there's yeah. certain, there's math where, um, you know, which I told you before, Sam Gregory is great at hearing the math mm -hmm. and he, you know, he can tell you the beats. Um, but there's the, the joy of you setting up something that someone else gets. Yeah. They get the joke. And when that whole house fills with laughter, yeah, there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. So it's an instant gratification. It's, uh, it's that you, it's instant that, you know, you did your job yeah, because you got the end result, which was the laugh. Absolutely. Is any, did you take some of that influence from, I mean, your father pu pulling out the hacksaw from the garage. I mean, is, is he your main comedic influence? My dad's pretty funny. Yes. Yeah. He's very funny. I remember at a very early age, I wish I could remember how old it was, but I was very young mm. and I was very, I mean, I was painfully shy, like Laura and the Glass Menagerie shy, <laughs> that shy, like I just painful. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I don't remember where we were or what was happening, but I remember looking at my parents and my mother is very quiet and she's a lovely human. She's kind and sweet. Um, and then there's my dad who's loud and funny and tells stories and has a million friends. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm gonna try to be like him. Mm. So he has a lot of friends. I want a lot of friends. He's really funny. I wanna be funny. So I remember making a conscious decision that I am going to try to be like him. Mm. So I would go and try to talk to people. I would, cause he would always say, you know, people aren't going to come to you. You have to go to them, mm. you know? And I, I think my mom was content to have people come to her, whether it happened or not, because that's just who she is. She's just, you mm. know, nice and people love her. And <laughs> I remember meeting people and them saying, wow, you're nothing like your mother. And I'm like, mm. well, true <laughs> um because i was actively trying to be like my dad who is very funny was that was that a hard transition for you from going out and meeting like trying to make those connections with people yeah i think it was i think every time i tried to do that i was like oh pit of the stomach what if you're rejected <laughs> i think i'm gonna feel nauseous yeah all those things but then as you do it more and more it's like it's like anything in theater you just get better at it yeah. You know, and then when, you know, if you, you learn how to talk to people and you, you know, and they're funny and then they, I don't know, it's a give and take. So it took time, mm -hmm. but I know that I actively tried to be that way. Yeah. And now um, I can talk to anybody. I mean, yeah. at a party, I'm not sure about, you know, mm -hmm. if, if I feel comfortable at a party or something, I could talk to anybody. Thanks. Are you feeling comfortable with me at this moment? I am. I yeah. well, I've already I've told you stories of my home already. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, thank you for sharing those. We are, I'm going to jump forward a little bit. So you go move on to the National Theater Conservatory. Oh yeah. How how did how did acting change for you in that jump? I would seem it for me it would be a little more academic in terms of its approach, not so much about I don't know chasing a joke or. Hmm one specific thing. Did it change for you? Um, that's a really good question. Let me think about that for a second. Okay, so how did, I feel like when I was in college, I was kind of a, 
you know, when you're a senior, you get cast and everything, you're kind of a star or whatever, mm-hmm. not a star, but I mean, people know you cause you're a senior. And, um, but when you go to the NTC, when I went to the National Theater Conservatory, everybody was a star. All those people who were in my class had been stars from, from wherever they came from. So it's a, it's kind of, it was a different class of, not class, that's not the word. It was a different um, level of actor. Everybody was good. And I was particularly lucky because my class, um, it was just such a great cohesive class. We, we were just, I, I think it's because how can I say this? Okay, so when you're in a class with, at, those, at that time it was, I think 16 people mm-hmm. um, before people started going to smaller classes of like eight. So when you're in a room with 16 people who are at the same level as you, it's just a whole new ground. It's a whole new play yard, you know? And everyone is at the same level. And you don't want to be in a class where there's clearly someone like Denzel Washington, who's going to be a superstar or someone who's should never be on the stage ever. You know what I mean? You, you don't want that disparity. You want everybody to be around the same. Cause I think that that, at least for me in my class, that was, we all grew together and we all improved and we Mm. all learned the skills. And back then the national theater conservatory, you know, it was a place for, learning how to be a regional theater actor. Mm. So you were learning things about language so that you could do language plays. You were learning things about, you know, farce and you were learning things about, you know, scoring your script. There were just so many tools you were learning to help you be a better actor in regional theater. I never wanted to go to New York and do that. That's just not, that's just not who I am. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was from Los Angeles. I didn't really want to go back there because film and television, uh, although it's fun, I, it's not really my milieu. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to stay in the regions. And um, so for me, that's what the NTC was. I feel like it was a really well-rounded education with people who were at the same skill level so that we could all kind of learn and feed off each other. Mm, absolutely. So we, we, I, I, I loved the NTC. I, it was a great place to learn. Plus, you know, back in the day now, I mean, I was at the NTC when it started. So mm. I think I was in the, the third grad or maybe the third or fourth graduating class. I mean, this was a long time ago. I'm certainly dating myself, but um, you know, this, there weren't a lot of schools like that. So, I mean, ACT in San Francisco, the NTC, I mean, I'm trying to think, I mean, what else there was, but you had access to all the actors who were in the company. Mm. You know, they were, you might have classes with them or you might be understudying them. And there was a real sense of camaraderie and a real sense of, let me pass on to you what I know so that you can take it from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you, you know, you don't really get a lot of that. I mean, I remember the first time I was at the National Theater Conservatory. I remember the first time Kathy Brady came to the company. Mm-hmm. She came from California. Donovan brought her in from PCPA. The show was Guys and Dolls. And she played the general. And um, which is, you know, the general who comes. Uh, it's the big number. Sit down. You're rocking the boat number. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jeff McCarthy was um, playing Sky. 
And there was a scene where he, I can't remember exactly where it is in the script, but he, he kissed her, you know, like uh, a comic kiss, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Sky kissing the general. And Kathy had like this amazing transformation of this stern woman to this huge smile. But it took like 30 seconds, you know, it was like a, a build. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, that's great. I will do that someday. Mm. You know, and I, I, I mean, learning her comic timing was just so great. Yeah. And so then getting to watch her, you know, this new actress who comes to town and all the actors were like that. Byron Jennings, I mean, he's, he's so amazing. And just Michael X. Martin and uh, Mike Winters and all these people who've gone on to these, you know, great careers. And we got to watch them when we were students and they mm. were new, you know? And so I think, I think that experience of being there, we call it the golden years, because there were just, there was just so much creativity happening and you got to watch it and then be a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we did play readings with the actors in the company, you know, yeah. and I, I, I feel sad that the, you know, NTC closed and there's the students don't have that opportunity. I mean, there are students in the education department and they're very good, yeah. but that, that, that camaraderie between the school and the company that just doesn't happen anymore mm. and um and i think that's sad yeah it seems like that's the best way to learn oh yeah it's it's an inundation like you just you saturate yourself in the world it sounds like you'd go from class to being you know walking past a rehearsal and being oh yeah poke your head in oh yeah for sure or you know running lines with someone if you were understudying or something yeah did you find like did you find it like, um, like incumbent upon you to pay attention and watch your peers? Or is that just something that you were just naturally doing? Hmm. That's a, that's another very good question. Did yeah. I feel? Cause I don't, I don't, I mean, as you're talking, it's like, it, it, it's clear there's, there's, there's no, I don't find any ego. And so there, it's, there was no ego. I mean, yeah. no, I don't feel like I was like, Oh, I must watch them. Mm -hmm. No, that was just the nature of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We were all watching each other. I remember Jamie Horton and, and Sam Gregory still does this too. A lot of us do this. Um, Jamie Horton, who is a genius and was there at that time, Jamie, Jamie Horton, Jamie Newcomb. I mean, so many talented people, but Jamie Horton would say, okay, comedy college. And he would stop whatever, you know, we'd be in the green room or stop rehearsal or something. And he'd be trying to work out something, you know, a bit or something. And he'd be like comedy college. And he, we would all start, he would, he, he would say, what do you hear? What, what can I do? What do mm -hmm. I need? And, and that's Jamie Horton asking, asking you if you hear something different or if, if you've got an idea or something like that. And, and everybody was welcome to do that. And I know Sam, Sam and I do that um, when we were doing, you can't take it with you. I would mm -hmm. be like, okay, comedy college. I don't know what to do here, you know? And then you've got people giving you these ideas because, wow. You know, it's a collaborative art form. You can't come up with all the stuff on your own. There's other people who see other things that yeah. might be a better idea than what you have, mm -hmm. you know, and if they're willing to share, you know, and I've always, whenever I'm in a rehearsal with someone that I don't know, um, you know, I always ask that question because I, I have a ton of ideas, uh, just like you, you know, you do when you're mm -hmm. doing a play. 
and I will always ask, um, are, do you subscribe to Comedy College? You know, which is, you know, is it okay if we share ideas? Mm. And most actors are real open to it. Of course, there's some who are like, um, no, thanks, I'm okay. And then you're like, okay, and it's no, no big deal. Yeah. You just don't, you know, you don't overstep. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, it's theater's like a football team. We're all working together to get to the end zone, you know? Yeah. And so if somebody says, hey, let's try this play, let's try that play. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm willing to try it. Absolutely. You know, and <laughs> I'm willing to take an idea from anybody. And uh, so that's, that's how, I think that is how the NTC has shaped me mm -hmm. into the actor that I am today, because that's how it was at the Denver Center in those days. Yeah. When you have Jamie Horton coming out and saying, comedy college, I need some help. Yeah. Or you have a, a Randy, Randy Moore who, you know, he's been doing theater for 60 years and that man knows how to get a laugh. So if he's got an idea for you, you should listen yeah. because he has a lot of experience, mm. you know? Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so unique to hear that, um, that, that experience. I mean, I went through college and you know there was assignments and due dates and yada 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 you know you'd, you'd read a portion of a book show up on fridays and have the note the the notes read to you so you're prepared for your test on friday or whatever and it, there wasn't a lot of those types of collective creation <laughs> moments and so for me i don't know necessarily if that shaped my early on problems with egotism which even at 37 still rear its ugly head it, it's it was one of those things i mean i remember i was doing um barefoot in the park and i had issues with my uh, my my ad and this is not a therapy session but i was uh he he was shouting notes to me from the from the from the darkness as i was trying to get to the scene about like how to deliver the moment so i could get that laugh and I, and I would just, I just like snapped, like, shut up. Let me get there. Let me get That's, there. I, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. And we've all had those, you know, experiences. Mm. I did have one experience at the National Theater Conservatory when I was a senior or mm -hmm. senior or when we were graduate. I don't even know how you do the, when we were doing, we were so new that we didn't know what was going to happen. Like we didn't know, were we going to have to write a thesis? Mm. Were we going to have a performance? I mean, the class, the two classes before me, they did one person shows. The two classes, one class ahead of me, they did, um, you know, two person nights for their thesis. And then our class was the first class that did a rep. We did mm -hmm. an actual rep in the, what is now the Jones Theater, um, because they, they were just trying to figure out how, how, what was the best way. And that way seemed to be the best way because you have to work with people. And I remember we were doing Three Sisters and I was playing um, Natasha, who's the character that nobody likes. So, and the director had an idea that they should just have the whole cast shun me so that I would know what it was like to be shunned so that I could figure out how that was, um, you know, and, mm -hmm. but for a young actor, that is, that is just not helpful. I was just, me, Leslie, was being shunned by my classmates. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to function in this environment. I don't know how to rehearse in this environment because she's not letting people talk to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, and it was, 
it was, I was so bad. And I remember I was so, I, I just didn't know what to do. And I, I remember asking Laird Williamson, who was one of, you know, directors here, mm. brilliant director uh, at the Denver Center. I didn't know what to do. I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to function. And he was like, well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to create in your mind safe people. You know, mm. he's like, use me. I'm a safe person. Use me as one of, as one of the people that you need to use in the play. You're going to have to create that because there's no safe environment for you. So you're going to have to create it in your head. And I was, I did my best, but I, you know, I was mm -hmm. young and didn't really know how to do that. And I remember a, a teacher came that had left the NTC, um, was, had gone somewhere else, but she came to see the show. And after the show, she, she was telling everybody, great job. And she looked at me, she's not a liar. And she was like, oh, Leslie. And I said, I know, I know I'm terrible. I don't know how to do it. And she said, do you want me to come over tonight? And I was like, yes. And she, she came over and we went through the entire script and all she did was ask me questions. Well, what do you think about this? Well, how does she feel about this? Well, what about this? I didn't, no one had asked me any questions. This mm. is what should have been happening. Right. Yeah. And I copious notes, copious notes, taking everything down. And so I feel like, you know, on our third performance, that's when I started rehearsal because then every time I came in, I had something new. Wow. That was a question I was that I was trying to answer. Mm -hmm. And I remember the director came up to me at the end of the run and said, wow, you know, in just the last three performances, you really made this your own. And I was like, mm -hmm, no, thanks to you. I didn't say that, but I was uh. like, oh, thank you. But it was because there was a teacher who knew how to help me ask the questions I didn't know how to ask. Yeah. Uh, just like you said, Sam Gregory knows how to ask questions. Mm -hmm. That's when I learned you have to ask the questions when there's no help for you. Yeah. Oh, um, it's, that's crazy, though, that a, that a director, it shunned you from the entire process. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't, because she felt that was helping me know what it's like to be shunned. But I don't want to know what it's like to be shunned. I yeah. should be able as an actor to create that for my character. Right. Don't shun me. I don't have the strength to be shunned. Yeah. And then being sh like and and being shunned is not your action. Exactly. Like that, that's like a like oh man. Yeah. Oh man. I've, yeah. I've, so I've, we did learn tools like that. I mean, yeah. and again, that professor saved me in mm. those she came to my house. We were up all night wow. because she was like, okay, let's go through the whole script. And, mm. and it, and I was like, okay, thank yeah. you. Now I know what to do, which I, and I did, I, yeah. I just rehearsed every new performance. That's what I did. That's, I love that story. After you left the conservatory, how was the transition into the community professional theater world? Oh, that's, well, I'm trying to think what, uh, I mean, you go, I, I was from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. We had, um, you know, we had uh, workshops, what do you call it? Showcases in Los Angeles and New York back in those days. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I did not like New York because uh, it's basically like LA is like, people will be really nice to you and stab you in the back. Mm -hmm. And in New York, they'll just stab you right in the face. 
So I preferred, I'm like, I think I like Los Angeles better where people are nice to me. Um, And I, you know, what do you do? How do you get started? You try to get an agent. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember uh, Guy Raymond, who was an actor at the Denver Center. He was a famous vaudevillian um, genius. I, uh, he was married to Annie Gilbert and I was her gal Friday. She was doing a, um, a sitcom mm. uh, called the Finelli Boys. And so I was always helping her out with lines and things and around mm. her house. And I remember Guy sent me to his agent and she clearly was doing him a favor, you know, and she, she didn't, she watched TV. She watched an old TV rerun of something while we were having our meeting. And I was like, young I looked really good I you know I was you know uh I probably looked like oh when I was young you know dark hair I probably looked like I should be in New York but you know Mm -hmm. here I am in LA where everybody's blonde and beautiful and I'm like yeah but I'm different you know yeah and she was so um unhelpful and kind of rude you know, I'm asking all these questions about like, well, how do you do this? And what do you do this? And she's like, well, you're not really blonde and you're not really, you know, 18 and tall and thin. So I just don't see anything happening for you. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And I just was so angry that she was watching TV. And I'm like, "Um, what am I going to say to Guy? Because I know he's going to ask me about it. And I didn't. So when he did, I regret this to this day. When he asked me how she treated me, I did not tell him the truth. I said, oh, she was very lovely and nice. Thank you so much for setting that up. She mm. doesn't really have room for me right now. You know, something like that. Yeah. And I wish I had told him the truth because she was disrespecting Guy by treating yeah. me badly. He had sent me to her and mm-hmm. said, she's funny, you know? And then I, you know, would do all these showcases and stuff. And all the agents then would say, you're so funny. We just don't know what to do with you. And then Rosie O'Donnell had my career. I would have, I used to love Rosie O'Donnell. I don't dislike her, but I would have much rather had Leslie O'Carroll have her own talk show. <laughs> yeah, I wish so too. Yeah. No, but she, that's when she became the best friend, the funny best friend. And it was mm. like, I was like, yeah, that's what I should be. Where, where's my career? Yeah. You know, but oh, that man. was okay. The League of Their Own. Oh. I know it was great. What a great movie. Yeah. I, love that. I, I would have loved to watch you crank some dingers and have some funny one-liners with Madonna. That'd be great. I'm going to live in that alternate reality right now. <laughs> she was very good though. I mean, she's really funny and great and I, I love her, but absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, it was kind of like that. We were about, we, I think we're, I think we're actually the same age. She might be one year older or so, but again, it was that time period when nobody really knew what to do with funny people before there was the best friend in the sitcom, the funny person, you know, and. Yeah. How did that make you feel to, to hear something like that? Oh, from, what do you mean? From, from like, from agents and, you know, casting people all town telling me, I don't know. I was like, aren't you a casting person? Don't you know how to think outside the box? Mm -hmm. But you know, they don't. I mean, that's not true of all casting directors. Um, Sylvia Gregory is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, She really thinks outside the box, but I worked for a casting director uh, after I graduated from the NTC or in in those interim years. Mm -hmm. And she was constantly saying to casting directors, well, what if she had red hair? What about this? What about that? And they, they're they not, that's not how they're geared to see you. They just want to see it walk into the room. Mm. You know, if they're looking for a redhead, they want to see the redhead walk in. And many times she would go to an actress and say, okay, I need you to come back tomorrow, but put a red rinse in your hair tonight. 
just so we get the 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 look of red. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be bright red. I'm just saying, just put a rinse in so we get some highlights. And then that person would come back and they'd love her. And she'd be like, yeah, that's the same actress we saw yesterday that didn't have red hair. You know, it's like they just want it. There, there's so many actors and, you know, they can afford that. They're going to see 500 people. So when the right person walks in, that's who they choose. But mm-hmm. in theater, it's different because in theater, they do think outside the box because they're thinking wigs and costumes and all that because that's how theater is. So, but film and television isn't like that. No. Yeah. It, 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 we're starting to see a little bit of that, of that shift, I think. But it's taken a long time and we're still just, it's like, we're like in the Flintstones car. So we're we're just now putting our feet on the ground to get the thing to move. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. No, I I mean, I I mean, from a personal perspective, I mean, I'm intrigued to see like, you spent this really amazing time at the conservatory and this, this, this bond of fellowship in the creation of, characters and and process and technique and then you go to hollywood you're you're putting yourself out there and you run into these how i guess these um these blanket statements of we just don't know what to do with you to me because very early on in my career i was a self-conscious actor if i had heard something like that then like for me that would have meant i would have to change almost everything about the art within me thankfully i never heard something like that but here you are years later the 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 career wasn't derailed there during when you were hearing those types of things and i I just were you ever faced with like i gotta you know persevere through this did you put yourself in that mindset you know i don't know this might sound so egotistical but it also might be that i was very young you know, mm. and I had had such a great experience, you know, at the National Theater Conservatory. I just thought I was smarter than them. I'm just like, well, you're stupid because I'm hilarious <laughs> and you should put me in something. Your mistake. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, I couldn't change who I was. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I guess I just never really listened to them. Mm. And then, you know, things happen. You be, You become a reader or you know, and then someone casts you in a play because you were a great reader. And then, you know, you start doing theater again. And, uh, you know, I did all that. And then ultimately I came back to the Denver Center. Um, and once I came back, it was probably about five years later, um, Laird Williamson cast me in a play called Man of the Moment with John Hutton and Jackie Antaramian and Kathy Brady and Carol Halstead and Mark Rubald and oh, just all these amazing actors. And then you're like, oh, I'm back in this community again. I don't ever want to (laughs) leave, you Mm. know? And, you know, then I was lucky. I was one of the people who stayed, stayed around. Yeah. With your experience at the NTC, out there doing the Hollywood thing, what is your favorite form of theater to, to be a part of? I mean, I guess the nature of theater is that it's live. Yeah. I mean, I always was interested in sitcoms because it's live. Mm-hmm. You, it's a three camera shoot. You don't worry about the camera. That's being called from a booth. You have a live audience. So I, that medium always, I was always drawn to that. I was like, I could do a sitcom. That would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the liveness. <laughs> it's liveness. Yeah. Film and television, you know, 
it's not an actor medium. It's a camera medium. It's a director medium. The, the camera doesn't have emotion, you know, so you just do what you do and the camera doesn't care. Whereas with a live audience, you get immediate feedback. Like I talked about the laugh. Mm -hmm. When you get that laugh, you know, you did your job. And that's, what's been difficult, you know, in this time of zoom, because mm -hmm. you don't hear that laugh. I've done two zoom plays and you just have to assume that they're laughing somewhere, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you don't get that feedback and they've yeah. been great and fun, wonderful shows to do. But again, I think it's the lack of feedback um, that I, that's what I like. So mm -hmm. I'll be happy to get back on the stage because you're having a live shared experience. Yeah. It's probably a good time to mention you've got a stage stories on stage coming up with uh, Sam Gregory. I do. It's on Friday. Oh um, my it's God. Sam Gregory, who's hilarious, and Allison oh. Watros, also hilarious, yes. and me. It's the first one I've ever done. I've never done one before. So oh, I'm a little nervous because they're both <laughs> pros. So is but, it a, is it another like live stream Zoom type of performance, or were you three be in the same spot? Yes. It's yeah. um, we're at a theater um, in Boulder and they have it set up. So where it's like, like a webinar, I think is how it is. Yeah. So you're doing it live, but there's no audience to give you any feedback. So, mm. I mean, I think that'll be okay since, you know, I'm used to the zoom plays, so it's kind of going to be the same thing. Nice. Uh, but I always, I love watching stories on stage. So I think it's going to be fun. Uh, it looks great. I saw the, uh, saw the Facebook posting today and it's got a very interesting cover photo. I just want to know, are you the dinosaur or the chicken? I'm pretty sure I'm the chicken. No, I don't nice. know. <laughs> okay, very cool, very cool. <laughs> I definitely would be the chicken, probably. <laughs> uh, when I would, I I remember at the NTC, they used to, um, they used to have a big sale of costumes, and mm -hmm. I remember I bought a chicken suit. So, <laughs> a sale of costumes. <laughs> I remember one year I bought a chicken suit, and then my dad took it from me, and he wore it all the time. Your dad is great. <laughs> my dad is hilarious. That's awesome. I was like, you should dust it off the, the chicken suit. For if I time. knew where it was, I would wear that chicken suit. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, you would. <laughs> so the pandemic shifting how theater kind of exists for you. What has been the toughest thing for you to adjust to in this last year? Has it been the uncertainty about the future or about your medium coming back to you? Oh boy, that is another really good question. Um, I mean, you've been doing this for so long and it just feels like this was a bump in the road that obviously no one anticipated. No. But I mean, at this stage in your career, is there fear about a comeback? I would, uh, with your talent, I would say no, but. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, I think, I think that people, well, during the pandemic, of course, we've all been scared about, will we ever have jobs again? Will live theater ever come back, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I give credit to those people who've been able to figure out how to do theater. Mm -hmm. um, the Arvada Center is leading the way. They, you know, doing uh, the Family Tree and Christy Con, which were two Zoom plays that we figured yeah. out how to do. I mean, their genius put it all together and they weren't afraid to try and do something. So there's definitely been creativity during this time and, you know, trying to figure out how, how it's a whole new world. And I think there is a place for that in the old world. Like if I were a theater, 
uh, I, I know Miner's Alley. They do shows and they stream shows at the same time. So you can either watch it if you're not comfortable going or you can go live there. I think that's genius. And I think that is the future because there's a whole audience that can't come to the theater that now you have access to. And we've had a whole year to figure out how that works. Yeah. I personally, of course, want to go back to live theater. I think we all do. Um, but it's something we've learned that we shouldn't discount. You know, there that is a viable medium, mm -hmm. um, you know, where, which I think is great. Yeah. Because what if I'm sick or what if I'm homebound or what if my car broke and I can't get to the theater? Mm -hmm. Oh, but I can stream it and watch it. You know, mm -hmm. it's a different experience, but at least I get to see it. I get to share part of that experience. Yeah. Um, so I think that there has been, even though these are tumultuous times, I do feel like that has been a ray of hope in, you know, what the new face of theater will look like. As far as going back to live theater, I, they, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who said they had read something about the plague and how they were all worried about whether live theater would come back after the plague. Mm. But once that passed, people flooded to the theater, you know, mm. to see shows because people were just craving that interactive, that shared experience. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think once it's the okay, there's always going to be nervous people. Listen, I'm nervous sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm still a little nervous, you know, about, oh, can I make that step to go see live theater in a real theater? I'm not sure I'm ready yet. But when I am ready and when other people are ready, it's just going to flood. That's what I think. I, I just don't think you can stop live theater because it's unlike anything else. That's... Beautiful sentiment. I, I've been feeling very similarly in terms of just what, it, how it's going to feel when it comes back. I mean, yes, they're about a center. Congratulations to them. They just opened small mouth sounds, which got cut off because of the pandemic a year ago. It's good to see that that's back and in the swing and we're starting to get back to that, that, that place. But I've been saying it when we get like more than a theater at a time opening on a weekend, that Friday night is going to, or that Thursday night, it's going to be epic. It's going to feel. I think so. Yeah. I think people, once the fear subsides and listen, we're mm -hmm. all afraid because we've been told for a year, mm -hmm. you should be afraid. Yeah. And, you know, it, science is science. We believe in the science. So, mm -hmm. but I think once the science tells us, okay, we know what to do now. It's safe. I think people will be tentative at first because, yeah. you know, you've still got that mindset. But I think once everything seems to be safe and people are ready, I do. I think it's just going to be a boom. So I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Leslie, thank you so much for this this experience. It's It's been really awesome. Before we- It's so fast. Out. I'm so surprised. Well, we've been, we've been I'm chatty. I'm, I'm, I'm real chatty. Sorry. This is, no, don't apologize. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it, it, the stories have been great. The experiences that you've shared. I'm like, I'm really, I'm really thankful for it. I, w I wonder what is that ghost light you wish was left on for you when you started your career that you'd, that you'd turn on for that next generation. I mean, your daughter, who I had the good fortune of working with over the summer teaching. I mean, what is one of the things that you'd tell her before she steps into her conservatory life or 
oh, earth eater. Well, yes. she won't listen to a thing I say. She, <laughs> you know, she, yeah. she discounts everything I say. Uh, <laughs> but that's because I'm her mom. Um, what would I say? Oh, that is a, such a good question. Um, I will say that the ghost light I would leave on is I mm. will say what my friend who is a casting director had said to so many parents and kids who would say, how do I get into theater? How do I do more theater? And she would always say, do everything else. Mm. You know, she would say, learn an instrument, take band, uh, take art classes, um, do everything else, learn how to cook, learn how to sew, learn how, just keep learning everything because that makes you a better actor. The more experience you have, mm -hmm is what, what you bring to the table makes you more unique. And so I guess that's what I would say is do everything else, keep learning, yeah. you know? I mean, during this time we've seen great things come out of people that we know, talents we didn't know were there, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I kind of wish I had done all that but I really just only did theater. Mm -hmm. I wish I could play a musical instrument. I, I wish I could sew. <laughs> I wish I could have made some masks, <laughs> but thank goodness Emma helped me out there. And, you know, yeah. I would cut out patterns for her and she would make masks for me. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I would say. Keep learning, yeah. never stop learning. Just like you were saying, Sam, never stopped asking questions. Mm -hmm. never stop learning so that you know the questions to ask absolutely uh you're absolutely right um if you if you do need help though in terms of filling out your resume i was told that using the word aptitude really kind of covers bases i have aptitude with the harmonica does it mean oh. i'm any good with it no aptitude i might have to steal that yeah i, I... <laughs> yeah. just like like accent aptitude dancing aptitude I can twerk. Doesn't mean I know how to do like the merengue or anything, but maybe no think, one wants to see either of those things, but I think everyone resume. should also have a stupid pet trick or a stupid human trick or something that they can do. <laughs> what that's is always yours? fun at a party. Do you have one? No, that's why, ah! that's why I wish someone had told me <laughs> at least get an impersonation of something or somebody, you know, so you yeah. can pull that out somewhere, but no. <laughs> All I could do is go high pitched in my my with my voice as I can. Hi, hi, Leslie. It was great having you on today. That's fantastic. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. Thank you very much. I can't do it for much much longer anymore. I used to be able to do it for a long time. <laughs> that is that's really good. See, that's a skill no one knows you have. See, well now now, now the ghosties do. Leslie, thank you so much for being with us here for episode 71. Um, everyone go out there and uh, get, get prepared for stories on stage. It's happening this Friday. The link is on Facebook um, to get, get a hold of those seats. But then I know exactly what to do with Leslie O'Carroll, put her on a stage, fill that house and put a light on her and get ready to laugh and have a great time. Thank you so much, Leslie. Well, thank you, Dan, do the damn thing.